0: Today's episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Atlantic Aviation. Atlantic Aviation provides aircraft ground support in over 100 locations across the United States. I am so proud to be partnered with a company that puts their people first and highly values diversity and inclusion. Atlantic Aviation's vision and mission is evident through their relentless focus on culture, safety, and service. Experience the Atlantic attitude today. Check out www.atlanticaviation.com to see all 100 plus locations and plan your next visit. Our guest today, Kendra Kincaid, wears several hats, but she's most recognized as a celebrated Canadian air traffic controller and founder and chair at Elevate Aviation. Kendra's childhood was a struggling one. At age 13, Kendra ran away from home and eventually settled in a foster home. She got married at age 18 and started to grow her family. Kendra's introduction to aviation came later in life, at age 24, when she was a mother of two children, at the time, with no aviation background. When Kendra was introduced to the world of air traffic, something ignited in her, which led to her finding her passion in life. It took Kendra three years before she was hired by Nav Canada as an air traffic controller at age 27, In my conversation with Kendra, she opens up about her childhood, marriage, motherhood, and divorce while pursuing a career in aviation. She also shares how, by getting out of her comfort zone to climb Mount Kilimanjaro, she discovered new opportunities to empower women with similar backgrounds and help them find their place in the industry. Disclaimer This podcast episode touches on the topic of suicide. If you or someone you know is in crisis or struggling with thoughts about harming themselves or others, please contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Kendra, welcome to the Aviate with Shasta podcast. Thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Oh, the pleasure is is quite mine. Um, I am so inspired by you, woman to woman uh, in the aviation industry. Your story has really resonated with me. And I think you're just such an inspiration to both men and women in the industry. Um, And I'm excited to kind of get to know you better and share that with our audience. So if you don't mind, Kendra, take us back to when you were young. What were some of your fondest memories growing up in Canada? And when did you discover uh, your passion for aviation?
1: Um, That's a a really interesting question. um, Because I don't know. Oddly enough I don't have a lot of memories as a child. I had I had a bit of a unique childhood. Maybe not unique but um but I don't I don't actually have a lot of, of memories. Um, you know, I do I do have uh a couple of uh oddly enough I don't like winter but <laughs> I have a couple of, you know, kinda of walking around uh, as a child outside our neighborhood in the snow and sliding down this this big hill that was in front of our house. Um, that was, that was a lot of fun as, as a kid doing, uh, spending all day outside sliding, sledding. Some people call it, I don't know, wherever you come from, (laughs) different, but, um, it was a lot of fun. And, um, I guess my introduction to aviation came much later in life. I didn't know anything about aviation. Um, I didn't have my first flight until I was probably 24. And, um, just the thought of flying never even entered my mind as a child and um and then, when I met someone who was an air traffic controller, they gave me a tour of their of their job. They said, "Hey, do you want to come in and and have a tour of of what I do?" I was like sure and i I thought we were going out to the airport, and we didn't. We went into this residential neighborhood in Moncton, New Brunswick, and there in the residential neighborhood was this Building, kind of just this building that you didn't really, you wouldn't even really notice. It was set back behind a fence, and we went in, and it was the air traffic control building. And I walked in, and I just went, "Oh, what is this building? What is this place?" And I, I just something hit me, and I knew I wanted to do that.
0: Oh, that's amazing! What you know, it a lot of people that I went to college with, they knew they wanted to be flying since like age three or four, very young. Um, And it seems like people in aviation, generally, it's something that they've known they wanted to do since they were uh, a kid. And I too found aviation when I was 21. And I felt like I was so behind the curve. It was it took me forever to just catch up. Um, So it's great to hear that you were 24 when you discovered aviation, Um, and it goes to show that everyone has a starting point. You know, um, the fact that you now looking back, you are an air traffic controller, you're uh, a leader, and you are such an advocate for women just shows that it doesn't matter when you start, you just have to start and like keep going. So um, I love that you got into it later and you, you found your place. Uh, in aviation. I would love for you to talk about something. Uh, this was a couple years ago. I heard you speak at an event and you talked about how you ran away from home at um, the age of 13. If you can talk a little bit about that. And when you did run away, um, what was what was your plan?
1: Yeah. First of all, I just want to say to anyone, any young people who might be listening that I don't recommend that Um, definitely not something I recommend Uh, you know like I said my childhood is a little odd and um, I didn't have a plan it it was was all part of that strange childhood but yeah at 13 I just uh, I guess I just had enough of where I was at and I, I ran away from home and I lived on the streets for a little while and Eventually I ended up in the foster care system and um and from the foster care system I, I left there into uh, basically a marriage. I got married at eighteen. Um and so there were there was no planning and I think that was a lot of my early early childhood, um and, and for quite a number of years in my life I actually did not have any plans. I didn't have any goals, like you know, where I came from in my life. Anyway, no one spoke about what do you want to be when you grow up? Like there was none of that future talk. Everything was just in the moment and very reactionary. It wasn't until much later in my life that I I learned that I could, oh, I could have a goal and I could make that goal come true. So it was just a lot of reactionary living in the moment and, and just a lot of Probably survival. You know, I had my married at eighteen, my first child at nineteen, my second one at twenty, and then um, twenty-five and twenty-seven rounded out the four kids. And um, you know, someone told me once, I would therapy later, <laughs> later yeah. in my life, and and they said to me that um, when you live that sort of life, which I know a lot of other women have too, um, yeah. your growth stops. At the age that you sort of you know leave the home um, yeah. and because you get so busy doing these other things and you don't put in growth any thought into your own growth and who you are and what you want and and that that was definitely the direction of my life
0: that's so fascinating so when you um when you discovered this whole world of aviation and air traffic controller. You were a mom. Um, What was it like showing up to that building and learning about this whole world, knowing that you have um, children? And I think also too, what's really important is when you're not told that you could do great things in life as a child, it kind of stays with you in the adulthood and it takes something special to make you believe that you can do these things? Um, did you have like that special moment or, and what was it like getting into air traffic controlling?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, when I had that tour of the air traffic control center, I was working, Currently, um, uh, I was working as a, a Canadian Tire gas bar attendant and um, I was also working partly as a, a data entry clerk, making very, very, very little money. And, um, and you know, then I learned about air traffic control, and I just, there was something that clicked in me, and I knew I wanted to do that. And I also found out the economic security that that becoming an air traffic controller would provide. And it wasn't until a few years later where I finally got into air traffic control, because it had moved from the government to the privately owned Nav Canada, and there was a big hiring freeze. So it took, took a while before. I was 27 before I actually got to go in the air traffic control course. Um, but, you know, uh, I saw my parents get divorced, and my mom was a single mom, and she had to go back to school after she had all us kids. She went back to school. I believe she was 40 when she went back to become a nurse. And I just remember thinking, you know, I never wanted to rely on a man. Um, I love men. It's not that. I'm in a a very (laughs) wonderful relationship right now with with a wonderful man. Um, But I I just didn't want to rely on them because that scarred me, I think. And I thought, I don't want what happened to my mom to happen to me. And when I walked in that building, that was probably part of it without me even knowing it. I just knew I wanted the economic security as well to, to be able to look after my kids if anything were to happen. And then um, I followed that path. I fought hard to follow that path to become an air traffic controller. And while I was controlling, I took my four kids to Cornwall, Ontario from at the time I was living in Edmonton, Alberta, so I took all four kids down, and I, I did my air traffic control training with my four kids there, and everybody thought I was a little crazy for doing that. And I was even judged quite a bit for, for uprooting my kids, but um, yeah. I'm really glad I did it. And um, and then I came back, and I was training here in Edmonton, and after getting in a car accident and being off for two and a half years, I went back to training again, and I ended up in this, this specialty called Edmonton Terminal. And at the time, they only had 7% success rate. And I had gone through all my training, and they were recommending to fire me. It was called cease training. And there was mm-hmm. a man, his name was John Bright. He said, wait a minute, let, let me work with her a little bit first. And he became my first ever mentor because he was more than an, an instructor. He, he would take me on every single break. Like we'd work hour on, hour off, or hour on, half hour off. And he would drill into my head that I could do this and he would find questions to ask me so that I would start to believe that I could do this job as an air traffic controller because I, I had no confidence. I was, you know, a, a mom with four kids and, and um, just where I had come from, I did not have a lot of confidence and self esteem. And I'm, I'm sitting in this air traffic controller room with these people who seem to be very, very confident. There's a lot of eight type personalities in there and, and I just needed to believe that I could do it. And he, he, he made me believe in myself. And, uh, and that, that made me realize that, you know, wow, you know, people can help other people really change their lives.
0: Wow. Wow. That is so special. Um, you know, in life, I feel like we, we are faced with adversity, everybody, and it's, you find these people who, almost like angels that kind of lift you up and encourage you um but I find you to be so relatable Kendra because you know you're you're so open which I uh, admire about you about your life and I feel like as humans as women we experience these things like mom shaming divorce figuring out what to do with your kids to go to you know For opportunities to professionally advance you. I mean, these are real life things that happen to moms every day all over the world. And it's like you have to come and with your shield and be very guarded and, you know, not talk about those things. So I admire you for, you know, opening up here in this conversation and talking about these things because it makes you real and relatable. I would love for you to talk about divorce because the divorce rates now more than ever are higher and it is something that women in our industry hardly ever talk about um as a mom of four as an air traffic controller can you tell us about this process how did you cope what lessons did you learn that you'd love to pass along and did you have a community to lean on
1: you know i'm i'm a i'm a i'm a fairly open book with all of this basically because um, I just, it, you know, if, if I can do anything in my life to help other women not go through the same steps I did or to do it better than I did, because I feel like I didn't do a lot of things, you know, the way that I would I would handle them now if I were going through them. And, yeah. um, and, and probably a lot of that is, uh, you know, again, just where I was, in life where I was at that time in my life. And um, divorce can be pretty painful. I was divorced twice, which is never something you're proud of, of course. <laughs> um, mm. But, you know, I was divorced from that first, per- that first uh, guy that I was with, you know, right out of the foster care system. And today he is, he's part of my family. He, he goes on vacation with us. He spends Christmas with us. Like, you know, we've, we've come full circle and, and, because we've known each other basically since the time of, I think we were 15 when I met. Um, he's just he's just part of our family. And we love him a lot. Um, so th- so that was good. And then I got divorced. Um, you know, I, I thought after that I was, you know, with the person that I'd be with for the rest of my life. And and that didn't work. And that ended up being uh, super super painful. Actually, that it was a very very painful and hurtful. Time in my life, um I don't really talk with the you know too often in public about the the reason for that divorce because it it does affect more than me in my family yeah. and um but it it actually I was not prepared um i mean when I was with him like, here's here's getting really honest here when I was with him like i I look after the kids i went to the dentist appointment, you know, I drove him to hockey. I looked after the house. I, I did not pay the bills. I did not
0: mm-hmm.
1: know our finances, Um, which, you know, I, I would tell women today to, 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 to do that, to, to stay connected with, with that side of things, if it's at all possible in your life. Um, And so when we, when, when that rug got pulled out from under me, I was devastated because, Everything I stood for in my life, I had put in my husband. I had put, you know, if he was happy, I was happy. If he was in a bad yeah. mood, I was, I was sad. Like I was trying to figure out how to fix it. I was, I was, um, I was as codependent as a codependent person could be. Codependent. <laughs> and, yeah. um, and so when, when, you, when you're that codependent and everything is reliant on the person that you're with, and you don't have your own hobbies and you don't have your own things that make you happy when that rug gets pulled out from under you like it's devastation and uh at that time even my my friends and my neighbors every everything fell apart and i felt very very alone and, and i i wanted i really wanted to commit suicide and um it it was a it was some deep deep dark days and uh you know i, I wish like i would never want to go through it again but yeah. Have I had the opportunity, not the opportunity, but if I were to do it over again, I wish I could do it over again and make better decisions and, and be a better, stronger woman through it. But but I did the best I could and we got through it. And, and I think that everything I do today is really, you can point a finger back to that and say, you know, that was probably a big catalyst for, for where I am today.
0: Wow. You know. Kendra, so a lot of the women in my family, uh, because we're from Afghanistan, it's a very cultural and traditional um, background that I come from, and predominantly women before the generation right now, like my mom and her mother, they were all housewives, and it's exactly what you described. They were the home, uh, taking care of the home, making the meals nurturing the kids, not very involved in the finances or big decision making. And I did see my mom being sad when my dad was sad or angry or mad, um, very codependency. And, uh, it, it like, I, I understand to some extent what you're saying. And I think that that exists a lot, even in North America. Um, and I just think, you talking about it is is you know we're making we're opening the door for women to have these kind of discussions so i i appreciate you 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 know being open about it and for women who are in that state you know what would you like to tell them in terms of m- trying to become less codependent? And I think you mentioned one, which is get involved in the finances and other aspects of it. But what are, what is something to kind of inspire them to be more independent that you would like to share?
1: Yeah, that's, that's so hard because sometimes I think when you're there, if if you're there, if you're in that place, you might not even know it. You know, like yeah. uh, if someone had told me that when I was there, I would have been like, "What are you talking about? I'm happy. This is my life." Like, I yeah. you know, I, I probably wouldn't have recognized it too much. But but you know, if there are people that are there and they're they're not happy and they they think there's something wrong, I mean, one of the biggest things is thinking there's something wrong with you. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: You know, if you address things and it gets put back on you and thinking there's something wrong with you, like stand up for yourself. You know believe in in your opinions, believe your opinions are okay. That's one of the biggest things I don't learn about myself is that, yeah, yeah, I have good ideas and I have opinions that matter and that count. And, and, and it's, it's okay for me to have those opinions. And as a matter of fact, I should have those opinions and I should, I should believe in my opinions. So definitely that Um, I also recommend, I read a book called well, two book codependent, no more was a book that changed my life. I had it on audio, I had it on the book, and i go back and listen to it a lot. So Codependent Mm -hmm. No More is an amazing book. And then a book called Untethered Soul. And the book with Untethered Soul, those two books in combination changed my life because um, the Untethered Soul book talks about the voice inside your head that tells you all those negative things. It tells you, um, you know, your opinions, your opinions don't count. Your, your thoughts don't count. You're not pretty enough. You're not smart enough. All those things yeah. that, that you stop yourself. And when I read that book, um, I thought that, that voice inside my head, I put a name to it. So the name I put to it, it was Pillsbury Dope Bitch. <laughs> and I think it was <laughs> because uh, that name just popped into my head. And I think it was because, you know, I was always funny. It was fat. It was, it's always a yeah. so mean, and so to this day, I recognize when Pillsbury Pillsbury Dope Bitch is trying to talk to me, and I just yeah. I can I can take that off and say you know stop like that's yeah. just feels very like I'm not I'm not gonna listen, and then I find the courage um, to do what I want to do. And also, when you make that voice inside your head, when you can learn to turn it off or at least turn it way down, then all of a sudden it creates all this room in your head to think of other things like what you might want to do with your life (laughs) so and then and then everything changes after that so I really encourage women to really really start actively listening to what you're telling yourself and if it's negative at all stop maybe even have a a friend that you can confide this in so you can call someone and say, I can't make this voice stop and have someone that can, yeah. can help you in that. But, but really getting, getting control of the voice inside your head is, is one of the biggest things I think that women need to do and, and stop, stop being negative to themselves.
0: Yeah. And we are so hard on ourselves. Like mm-hmm. it's, it blows my mind. At least I am for myself. My standards are just sometimes like, Unbelievable. Um, But you talk about um, like, I'd love to hear how did you have a community to lean on and, and how did that community kind of help you kind of set a new course after experiencing all that you've have had?
1: Um, My community, I would say that my, when I, so in 2010, I was coming out of my depression. I remember being on the couch one day and I, I was lying there and I was like, I can't keep doing this to my kids. Like I need to either like just go, like end this, like if these are the thoughts in my head or get up and and find life, like, and be a good mom and do my best to be a good person. And um, so I, I ended up volunteering for the Make-A-Wish Foundation, which started to to change my life. And then I ended up climbing Mount Kilimanjaro to raise money for a local hospital. And um, so on that climb, I met, uh, like there was 47 people on that climb and a lot of them were couples. And I had never really seen until that time couples who were healthy, (laughs) like really healthy couples who looked at each other with love and respected each other. And, And I kind of saw for the first time couples who really respected each other and and treated each other well and so um from there um I really saw that wow you can have some really good relationships and and it was then that I decided I am going to have good people in my life like I am going to purposely seek a good people and that was sort of a combination with the starting the very early starting of Elevate aviation and um and then through Elevate aviation this community was formed and it's that group of people that really i've been through a lot with now and uh, that really encourage each other and and you know it doesn't mean everything's all roses all the time People go through ups and downs, but we're there. We encourage each other. We talk through things. And um, so it was really forming my own community that to rely on that eventually happened.
0: You know, one thing I I just realized as you were sharing um, all that you did is that, you know, sometimes. We talk about community like it's something that already exists. It's out there. We just have to go and start hawking. And all of a sudden we have a group of people that we align with, that we connect with. But you said something in your story that I think is so powerful. You went out and kind of did something different. Put yourself, got out of your comfort zone, climbed this mountain, and it gave you perspective. Then it kind of led you to the next stage of your life and then eventually starting your own nonprofit, Elevate Aviation. And so I, I guess I'm realizing that if you don't have that community, do something different out of your comfort zone and like be open to the possibilities. Um, yeah, I'm just having this realization, Kendra, and it's, it's, it's pretty powerful because um, that's something that I've always asked is if you don't have a community, what do you do then? Um, so I just realized that. Um, do you mind talking about Elev- Elevate Aviation? What do you all do? How did it come together? Um, and what are some things that you guys are working on right now?
1: Um, yeah. So Elevate Aviation is a nonprofit organization. Uh, it started from that climb of Mount Kilimanjaro, really. It, um, I was a single mom when I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro for the Royal Alex Hospital. And I needed to raise $5,000 to be part of that team. And $5,000 seemed like a lot. It was like, I didn't want to ask anyone for money. I was like, I don't know what to do. And so um, there was always jokes around work about, you know, a woman in air traffic control calendar. And uh, so I thought, why not make one? And so I did, and we made a spoof of air traffic controllers, really. Like someone held up a stop sign to an airplane, like one of the controllers, and sort of had this spoof of air traffic control. And um, and so that that really was the formation of Elevate Aviation. It ended up being a few years later, I decided to do my own project and go to El Salvador and build a play area. So we did another calendar, and in that calendar – I literally walked around the airport knocking on doors saying, do you have women that work here that might want to support our cause and get in a calendar? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so yeah. looking back, it was kind of funny. But during that second calendar, people had said, wow, I've I've never been with so many women in aviation before in the same room. And look at these women all talking about airplanes. This is so funny. Like, and so I knew that we were on to something and mm-hmm. didn't know what and just sort of couldn't let it go and then then a mentorship program was made and now we have a a a mentorship program across canada and we also have a military and rcaf mentorship program um we have speaking engagements across canada we have ambassadors in every province and territory and speaking leads and tour leads under them we have a cross-country tour that started it's a one day where we bring people into the aviation industry and that that's grown from one event to in 2023 we're going to 30 events and it's both civilian wow. and military stream and then that led to um, the, um, the 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 biggest question in the cross country tour we bring thousands we bring thousands of girls in now and they the biggest question is always why haven't you heard of these crews before so that mm-hmm. led to the the beginning of what we call the elevate aviation learning center. And that's where we bring grade 6, junior high, high school students, and underprivileged adults to the airport for a whole week. So they get to play with drones. They get to learn about security. They get to go into the tower in the air traffic control center. They get to go into the airport, learn about all the jobs in the airport. And high school students get credits for them, for their schoolwork here. And so we do that, and, and our plan is to take that across Canada. And um, and we just received a $2.27 million grant and um, moved into a bigger building for our learning center. We have five staff in there now, and we have our first nine-week program, which is a program for women who've been out of the workforce for a while and they want to come back into work. We we give them eight weeks of skill development, skills that they need to become a good employee in the workforce, yeah. and then we introduce them to aviation careers, and we invite the industry in to hire our students, and hopefully when they all graduate, they all get a job um, on graduation, and so we're really working on getting them into employment, and um, that learning center, we have, now that we have this first course up and running, we're in our new building with staff. We're working on, we're working with a company on an aircraft maintenance course. We're working on an introduction to aviation course for companies to send the staff to. We're working on You know, security training and ramp training and all kinds of things are in the works some conversations we're having with companies right now so that we can provide this training um, to bring women in, get them trained and then give the industry, you know, these wonderful employees that not only have the training, but they have culture training for harassment and bullying, um, you know, and, 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 they have um, culture training that they you know what it is to be a good employee and then we you know we get to help the industry by giving them people that will become these good employees we also have a program right now um, that actually gives culture training to companies in the industry so we go inside the companies and we do a culture review we assess them on 15 different areas and we um, give them ratings, we survey their companies, and then we make recommendations on how they can change their culture and make their culture better so that when they do get new employees, whatever the gender is, they can retain those employees. So we're trying to really make a well-rounded from you know youth and kids all the way up to changing the industry itself so they're ready for for retaining these people that that we bring in as, as uh, their employees.
0: That is phenomenal. I can't believe you, through your work, you're touching so many different demographics of people from underprivileged um, children to mothers who've been out of the workforce. And the fact that you are planning to have this tour to make sure you're touching, you know, all of Canada. I think that's so exciting. Um, My gosh, you guys are doing such great work. It's so exciting. (laughs)
1: We're, tra- we're trying. We have an incredible team. Like if you ever see my posts on social media, um, you know, very often, you know, I talk about our team um, because our team is just incredible. Like and, and our team, they're all people that are in the aviation industry, like our executive team they're pilots or traffic controllers or, you know, um, when, you know, we have people from the military, we, uh, it's, it's a great, team of, of people who are passionate about what we're doing. And even yeah. the ambassadors across the country there and the speakers from across the country they're they're all in the aviation industry and they all love what they're doing. And they, they become part of Elevate because Elevate gives them an outlet to share their passion for their careers and to try to help yeah. other people get into this industry as well.
0: The one thing I learned about people in aviation is that they're very passionate people. You really Ha, it it's like they call it the aviation bug, it bites you and you're just hooked, you know? And so I think because of all the passion that exists in people in aviation, you need an outlet, a platform to kind of express that and grow it, nurture it, and connect with like-minded people. Um, so that's fantastic that you are offering that, especially to younger people who uh, need that. Uh, But based on all of the work that you shared, I have really two follow-up questions. Um, Because I get asked this a lot with the work that we do with women, I'd love to hear um, why you have a focus on women. Um, People ask me, why focus on gender-specific projects, only elevating women in aviation? And of course, I have my answer, but I'd love to hear why this is so important for you.
1: Yeah, I've had that question a lot too. And and it's interesting because when I built a playground in El Salvador and then we've been to Nicaragua um building um homes or, or school rooms in Nicaragua as well, I would have people ask me, Why are you doing this outside of Canada when there's people who need help inside of Canada?
0: So mm-hmm.
1: you know, I so I've learned it's not just this question. I think a lot of people, whatever they're doing, probably get this sort of question. But my answer for why are we focusing on women in aviation? And and I will say, there's a spillover of everything we do that we work with a lot of men, too. Like We, we brought a lot of men into aviation just because of the things we do. People hear about it and call us. And, and we certainly don't turn anybody away. But You have if you try to change the whole entire world, you know, at once, you're probably not going to be really effective. So you have to narrow in on something, and I think I believe you have to narrow in on what you're passionate about. And I'm passionate in trying to help other women that have come from the same background as me, or, or you know, it doesn't have to be the same background, but you know, like. Women who my, – my personal passion is women who, who are struggling and, um, like I said earlier, trying to help women realize that they can have economic security to be independent so that they can get into relationships that they want to be in and not relationships that they're forced into because they don't have the financial ability to leave. So if they're being abused, if they're, if they're just in a bad relationship – They can't leave because they don't have the finances to do so. Um, You know, I have a passion to show women, listen, you can have an incredible career that can provide financial stability and economic security so that you can get into the life that you really, really want and you're not dependent on someone else. And then you can choose to be dependent if you want to be. You You can choose to, you know, look after the finances or not look after the finances or whatever, whatever that looks like in your life, but you have a choice. You're not forced into anything because you don't have the financial ability to, to pack up and, and go and rent yourself an apartment to escape whatever you might want to escape. So that's my personal passion is to help women. And that's where Elevate comes from is, yeah. um, you know, helping women to get into aviation. And I always say to people, cause I have had many people say, why don't you, have something that helps men in aviation and I say if you're passionate about that go and start that like yeah. you go and do that like stand up and and, and do that whatever you want to do like go and do it um because there's certainly a lot of education out there that needs to happen for all genders in aviation for it to be a diverse industry you yeah. know and there's mental health men there's mental health issues that could certainly be a, a non-profit for men in aviation if they wanted it. Like looking at men's health, mental health, and you know, we all know there's mental health issues everywhere. So I just answer it with why women in aviation. It's because it's it's my it's my why it's my why I'm I'm here on earth and it's it's my reason that I'm you know fulfilled and and passionate about what I'm doing.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I once had someone ask me, a uh, pilot, you know, why are you focusing on bringing more women pilots to aviation? And that discussion ended as soon as I followed up with, well, would you like there to be a balance of men and women um, in terms of when you go and fly in the flight deck, would you like to fly with a diverse pool of women or do you prefer just to fly with men? And that's when it just clicked. And it was like, okay, yes, you know, it would be nice to have uh, more women in this industry. Um, (laughs) But yeah, no, I I love that you're focusing on women who come from a, a different background, a disadvantaged background, and giving them opportunities and pathways in aviation because that's how we grow as an industry. And aviation is something that's so global. We need that talent to provide their perspective and their talents towards our ecosystem to make it better. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just a big fan of your work and I'd love to hear, you know, you've done a lot of research through elevate aviation. Have you found something that just surprised you in the discovery that you weren't expecting in terms of women retaining, attracting them in aviation?
1: Yeah, you know, we have done research um, and I'm currently making a documentary as well. Uh, we're done filming. We've been filming for uh, off and on for seven months now across Canada and into the States, asking, you know, our main question and that is why aren't there more women in aviation? Uh, and yeah. then our research that we've done, you know, the number one reason we hear over and over again is um, they haven't heard of these careers. And yeah. it's funny because people say to me, there's airplanes flying over their head all the time. What do you mean they haven't heard of these careers? But, you know, they they haven't heard of these careers and they haven't seen enough women represented in these careers for them to look at and go, oh, I could do that. And and I have a great example that I, I just love this example. I met this woman. She was, a, she was already a pilot in the military. So this is just sort of like a see it, be it, you know, that you need to see it to imagine yourself being it. She was already a pilot in the military, and she said she went to this air show, and she was watching the snowbirds overhead, and the announcer announced a female name, and she said when she heard that, she was like, oh, wait a minute, I can be a snowbird friend? Like, I can be one of the snowbirds? And she said it was so weird that it took me having to hear, you know, a a woman's name being announced for me to think, oh, I could be one of them. I could be a snowbird friend. And then she went on to become a snowbird pilot. But wow, so, so that's like a, a really great example of,
0: yeah.
1: um, you know, needing to sort of see yourself represented uh, in order to picture yourself there. So I think between Elevate Aviation and what you're doing and what many other organizations now around the world are trying to get more women in aviation, that's the importance of what these organizations are doing, I think
0: you know, the whole seeing is believing is so powerful because, um, when I decided to fly around the world, I started to look into women who had done it before. And surprisingly, the first woman who ever successfully flew around the world, her name is Jerry Mock and she grew up in Ohio. There wasn't much that I had in common with her. I mean, she had grown up in the United States, you know, but the one thing that took away from her story is that she was a housewife and, um, she was a mother and she just over dinner one night after cooking, she turned to her husband and said, like, I need to do something different. And I want to jump into a plane and fly it around the world. Like I need to do something. And he encouraged her. But the fact that I grew up wanting to be a house, well, it wasn't that I wanted to be a housewife. That was really the only, um, aspiration that was around me, like my mom, my aunts, they were all housewives. So I thought like that was going to be my future until I discovered aviation. But looking at Jerry's story and seeing that she was a housewife and she went on to do this incredible thing gave me this hope that maybe I could too. Um and then I eventually met her and she gave me a lot of words of confidence and inspired me to just go for it. And pursue this wild dream that I had of going around the world. Um, but seeing is so powerful and it, it just unlocks something in you and creates this pathway that you could, you could do it someday too. What does success look like for Elevate Aviation in five years from now?
1: Well, we are um, speaking of goals, uh, mine are pretty clear. <laughs> um, so I can ask that one easily. Uh, we have a vision and a goal that um, our learning center, we moved into a bigger learning center right now. So we have two classrooms and four offices and a big Bay area where we can work on, you know, maintenance or whatever we need to work on. Uh, But my goal in five years is that we have our own standalone building out of the Evanston international airport. And it is, you know, a a big campus. You know, I, I picture it. I'm a big, visionary and believe in, in picturing it. it's a big glass building it's got our name on it uh you know potentially a couple other big names that have helped us donated this building to us
0: <laughs>
1: and um and uh and that we're just you know we are bringing you know hundreds or thousands of people in to, and getting them into aviation careers and you know that that includes some co ed courses as well not just for women but uh, definitely women centric, but also some co-ed courses where we bring, we're bringing people into aviation and we're getting, we're getting them careers and helping them create their life, a life, you know, that they can be passionate about through the aviation industry.
0: So if one wants to learn about more about what you're doing or even support, where can they go to do that?
1: You can go to elevateaviation.ca. dot And you can certainly uh, find me through um, social media on Kendra Kincaid. You can reach out direct or um, uh, Kendra at ElevateAviation.ca or go to our our general info at ElevateAviation.ca. But certainly go around our website and and take a peek at what we're doing. And, uh, yeah, we are always looking. Of course, as a nonprofit, we're always looking for support. But, um, you know, we're looking for people who both want to support us who believe in what we're doing and want to be part of it. And also, you know, people who want to come in and get the help that we offer and, and get them into aviation careers.
0: That's awesome. Um, to kind of wrap things up, this is a question that I like to ask all of my guests. Uh, what is the best advice you have received as a woman in aviation that you can pass along to the, those who are listening?
1: Really, the the best advice that served me well came from the book that I spoke about earlier. And it's, you know, getting outside your head, but also getting outside your comfort zone. My favorite quote is, life begins at the end of your comfort zone. And that's been my favorite quote for years. And truly, wherever you are in life, whether, you know, you're a CEO of a company and you, you want to try to expand your company and are not quite sure how to do that, like stepping outside your comfort zone and not listening to any negativity from anyone else or from your, you know, from yourself, especially. Um, or if you're, you know, don't know what you want in your life, maybe you're a codependent person like I was and still fight all the time, you know, getting outside your comfort zone, taking that step outside your comfort zone and, um, and then not listening to that voice inside your head that's trying to pull you back in. I think that's, that's the best advice, even though it really came from a book (laughs) Um, that I think guys (laughs) have received.
0: No, that's, that's amazing uh, advice. Absolutely. I wholeheartedly agree that life happens uh, right after your comfort zone. Um, Kendra, thank you so much for being so open and so, you're such an inspiration. You're so relatable and you're also a leader and you're building a space for more people to get into aviation. You're quite the role model. And I appreciate you taking the time to share your story with us today and, um, and just being so open. Thank you.